Good morning everyone, this is Amanda the Emotional Strength Trainer coming to you a little bit late today because I've been at an International Women's Day uh, function this morning so I apologise for not notifying you sooner. I was all sitting up there thinking oh, I'll just do it from my car, it'll be fun but um, there were so many people and such a big lineup. everything went really late so... <laughs> Uh, I'm here now, so I don't expect many of you to pop on, but we'll see how we go. So today, in our morning stretches, I want to continue the conversation around people-pleasing, but also give you a little bit of an insight into the things that I heard and learnt about this morning at this International Women's uh, Breakfast. Essentially, it was to uh, talk about the... UN women and what they're doing in um, war-torn and disaster areas in the world and they have a uh, program at the moment leave no woman behind and the statistics of how the percentage of women that die or get injured in a disaster or war-torn conflicts uh, is insane when you start to hear about it and that there is a one of the statistics was that there's 21 million women in modern day slavery at the moment and that's uh you know being gathered up and sold at markets and it's um it's quite extraordinary what you learn about when you go along to hear these people who have been on the ground doing the work and the stories that they have to share it's quite fascinating but also quite um, moving from that point of view of those of us who live in first world countries who education, um, you know, the relative safety of being able to walk down the street or catch a bus or those sorts of things. It's really quite an interesting um, bit of information to have. So while um, I was chatting away there, some people have come on. So hello, Kirsten and Sharon and Sarah. Thank you for joining me this morning. The internet here in my office is also peaking today, so <laughs> it's not working on my computer. So once again, if there's anyone drawn to share, please do. I would appreciate it. Um, so yesterday we had a, quite a, a significant discussion around people-pleasing, and as you know, I have this very cool checklist that people can download for free from my website to help you get the picture started of where your people-pleasing may have um, generated from. So together with that and what I have learned this morning about the sitting in a room. Now, there's 1,400 women and men in the room this morning at the Great Hall in at the um, convention center in Brisbane and the energy there was incredible. One of the things that came up that in discussion with actually uh, a stranger that we just happened to be walking in together and as it turned out she just lived probably 30 minutes up the road from me here where I live and she made a comment to me about watching the Oscars and how sad she felt for the men in the room that all of these women were being celebrated um, and it was to the point of being a little bit awkward. And then today 
in uh, at breakfast, they did. There was a, a movie start thing that they were showing us of uh, footage of a woman um, trying to run away from being attacked, um, and that like the statistics around how many women are uh, sexually assaulted with in disaster areas and things like it's also opportunistic when it's dark or um, the most well-lit areas in the refugee camps are the toilet facilities because uh, and then a lot of the women don't come out of the tents in those um, in those camp facilities because they can also it's like opportunistic um, to be attacked those sorts of things so I want to bring that into the context of people pleasing from a first world kind of concept because it's a a global consciousness type thing that uh, that is part of the reason why in the people pleasing checklist the question one and question two starts to ask you to delve into the personality types of the people who came before you so that's your parents and your grandparents uh, and perhaps even as far as your parents' grandparents, because they had the relationship with them, they would have had the teaching from that part. Now, one of the things that, that really landed for me this morning when I was listening to these women, you know, and they're heads of the the uh, charities that they are running and they're doing incredible things. And, and it comes to this term of empowering women to be able to look after themselves like in one um one statistic and i think it was when there was a natural disaster in fiji i think of the people who were killed in that uh natural disaster with the cyclones and things 76 percent of those people killed were women and children yeah and female girls because they're not taught how to climb trees how to that the 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 energy is stay at home be the homemakers provide the food be that person and it's interesting in in the 21st century that there's still such a large proportion of that uh, existing in life but I want to bring it into a first world notion and not discredit it when we're looking at the energy of know your place what's your role in society those of us who have were brought up for, by people who were uh, who grew up in the 40s who were brought up by people who were brought up uh, grew up you know the early 1900s they came from that era where the role of women was the homemaker. The, the job was to have babies. The job was to cook food clean. You know, we, we often um, see memes and, and books that go around about telling a woman how to be uh, a quality housewife from the 50s. The misogyny of the 50s and things is quite um, fascinating, but it's still being energetically taken out of our life and our equation how does that fit into people pleasing so i was brought up in a household with one man and the rest of the 
heartbeats in the house were women and I was not allowed to have emotion when I was a child. I was not allowed to have an opinion. Uh, I remember, and I think I've shared this story, um, my parents could afford for us, my sister and I, to go to a private girls' school, but my father used the excuse that he didn't want us to go to a girls' school because he didn't want us to be become bitches was the term. And my dad never swore when we were young. So I remember that conversation explicitly because it, it, he, he said, um, you know, the B word. And it's that insidious white noise undertone conditioning that we have been provided from the earliest age to undermine our role as women so that when we're standing together and we're we're doing the the work together or standing up in solidarity for each other to connect it back to what I was saying about this woman that felt bad for the men in the Oscars room when women stand together to celebrate how far we've come or what we're doing from that place of empowerment it's not at the exclusion of men now, I live in a home where I am the only female and all of the other heartbeats, including the dog, are masculine in my home. And I have a very balanced, harmonious, equal relationship with my husband. And we're teaching our sons what that looks like as well. So that when, and I've spoken about this before, when I am in my masculine, which is the ra. He is in his feminine, which is nurturing. And then when he is in his ra, I go into my nurture so that our children aren't peaking and troughing. They know they've got somewhere to go when this stuff is happening. The message I, I want to put across is, and I guess to any men that get to watch this or for those women with men around thinking that, you know, this is bad, that women are finding a voice. The energy from my mind, this is my take on it, it's not at the exclusion of men. We're not saying that to be a powerful woman or to be an empowered woman means that you have to diminish men. And that was an overtone that I was, I got from this lady and I was, you know, I had a snippet of time to be able to, um, empathize with what she said but also give her another perspective to look and I, I think I, I got that opportunity so it's one of those things where don't buy into the story um, that you know when people are trying to change a subject women are the largest um, statistic in the suffering statistic in domestic violence so when somebody comes along and says yeah men get um, beat up in, at home as well. Yeah, we know that and we're, we're not excluding that, but this is the topic at the moment. So we can, we can group that in, but then women are having to go to these extraordinary lengths to make sure that um, this clump of men that feel wounded by the fact that the woman's voice is rising is at, at somehow a threat. And that's that part of that that equilibrium that we're trying to find, that energy that we're trying to re-establish of where do I fit? And it's one of those things with people pleasing, when you are uh, of that age where you, were grow, uh, where you grew up or you were conditioned to be a certain way, 
I certainly know from the the uh, experience I had in my family home, my mum, when she was in business, hard-nosed, didn't muck, muck around, got what she wanted, uh, quite, you know, quite a hard-nosed uh, cow in some respects. I, I saw her be quite masculine in her approach at work, but she had a lot of power there, where at home there was no power. She was very subservient. She used to you know, get my dad's dinner and put it in front of him, put salt on it and all those sorts of things. She did all of the the homekeeping, even though my sister and I had to do a, a large chunk of it as well. But we grew up believing that dad was useless because he'd never... But then when we left home and he started doing things around the house, yeah, he knew how to do all that stuff, but he didn't because he had three girls there to do it. So... And even here in my home, when I have gone into that space of the boys need to contribute to our family life, my husband grew up in a home where the mother did all of that and the boys just went out to play or work. There was nothing in between. And my husband's a good um, home maker, home keeper, but at the same time doesn't want the boys to be turned into slaves. And it's like, make your bed empty and stack the dishwasher they don't have to do anything else <laughs> it's like that's not a slave and I had to do most of everything I could put a meal together by the time I was eight so you know these different mindsets and these different ways of being that we grew up with that run the underlying background music to what you're dealing with today so how does that fit in with people pleasing and how to stop it it's going to sound like you're in battle mode all the time, but it's coming from that place or that voice of reason that says, I know that you're used to this being this way, but I just need you to know that this is how I feel and this is what I want. And like I spoke about yesterday, when you people please and you say nothing, you give permission to people around you to take an easy route that excludes their growth as well. You are, you're robbing them of the opportunity to grow and evolve with the species by being a people pleaser. And you don't want to be that person. Not only does it rob you of your capacity to grow and have a life that is free of uh, conflict and uh, dysfunction, because you have to retrain these people. And that's the biggest part of the acceptance and awareness of recognizing where and how insidious your people pleasing can be. These are the parts that are like the kick in the guts of like, oh, I know why this has manifested in my life and what responsibility I need to take. But as with everything, you have the right to change your mind. So you're going to come back to these people and say, even if you make a decision for something and then realize you've people pleased and you need to go and change my life, I'm sorry, I said yes to that. But what I should have said no, I should have said no because that's outside of where I can help or what I have time to help. And I just don't want to put myself in that position that I get let down and so do you. There's these ways that we can educate people. Yes, they're hard conversations and they can cause people to bear up because they're used to you being subservient or easygoing or somebody that's just like, what's wrong? You've changed. You're, is there something wrong? Or the biggie, are you on your period or are you going through menopause? Those sorts of things. So it's one of those <laughs> energies where um, there's a bit of work to do. 
And to get an understanding of where your people pleasing started from and then where it has shown up in your life, the impact it's created, the, um, the things that, you know, you have to do a lot of forgiveness work for the people who conditioned you to be the people pleaser. You have to do a lot of forgiveness work for, around yourself and your soul and why you chose um, these uh, soul agreements with these people. It's quite in depth. And that's why I would like to encourage you to download that worksheet, see how you go on the checklist, see what um, ahas you come to and where the pictures or where your memories take you and then come along and have the next step with me on the 28th of March where we start an eight-week mastermind with people working through my Emotional Strength Training Handbook, which is that eight-step solution to solve anything in life. But this, uh, for March, end of March, we're going to be solving our people-pleasing. So thanks for joining me today. And again, I'm sorry that I'm late. So let's have a look who else. So Brenda is here. Hello, Brenda. Michelle is here. Charlene popped in. Sarah says she started her, uh, she was just starting her checklist. So that's a good thing. With the checklist, it's not always going to add up to anything for you. Like one of um, the people that have filled it out for me um, is sort of questioning where her people pleasing is coming from because she had um, good relationships with the family tree people that are mentioned. So it's then looking for an incident or looking for something deeper. And that's why I want to encourage you to come and join the mastermind. It's always better. I'm like a fresh set of eyes and I also get universal information. Uh, you know, emotional strength training work is counseling, coaching and merging with energy therapies to ensure that you have workable long-lasting outcomes and that's what I want you to to have a think about investing in and starting to learn and embrace this new concept around your emotional immune system to help you get through life without having these things keep you on the back foot all the time and as adults I think and especially in today with the opportunities that we have with the changing environment you want to take that opportunity and run with it um, so that you're not playing catch-up you're able to be around like-minded people who are sitting there who can validate your feelings. That's one of the most common things um, is people think that they're the only ones who have been through things and it's just not true. As soon as you start talking about it, it's like, oh, me too. How did you feel about this or how did you do to cope with that? And then it just starts to show up. So Iris um, is here. Hello, Iris. I came in late, but you're talking my kind of language. I will be back for the replay. We have so much in common. I uh, love your videos. Thank you so much. That's very good. Thanks, Iris. So that probably wraps it up unless anybody's got some questions about people-pleasing. People-pleasing, uh, you know, like I mentioned the other day, when you look at uh, illness, when it comes up, if you're making yourself sick in order to get out of something, that's one of those insidious levels of uh, people-pleasing that you're continuing to pay an awful price because you're frightened of conflict or you're frightened of failure or you're frightened of being um, attacked by somebody because they're sitting there saying, who do you think you are? Um, if you're somebody who's in that space where you grew up where you needed to protect one of your parents um, or the grown-ups because they were showing up in ways that helped you feel unsafe like you had to take on that burden uh, so then you're somebody that's a peacekeeper that you are um, you know 
shutting down your fears and worries or people just keep piling you up with stuff at work and you have no capacity to say, I can't do that. But then all you can think of is if you don't finish the work, you'll let them down and you'll lose your job. All of that, that as I say, it's that background music that keeps you in stress patterns, adrenal fatigue, insomnia, gut problems, um, sore throats, recurring tonsillitis, abdomen issues, stuff to do with your digestion. All of this is and can be connected back to people-pleasing conditioning because you're frightened of something that you have no control over. You know, like I've, I've told you before, one of my core parts of my people-pleasing was because I was terrified in my family that they would blame me for everything and I would lose them all. That happened. It just took 20 years for it to happen. You know, these sort of things, 18 years for this to happen. It's, the, and that's part of my healing journey is how much time I wasted with people who really weren't into me because I'd made it easy for them to be into me because my people pleasing was so significant. Hello. Um, so Sarah says, I was diagnosed with celiac a few years back, had a lot going on emotionally with family. Absolutely. What's the best way to get out of conflict or out of issues with family than to get yourself something that takes you out of the game? And that's one of my primary teachings when I do and work with people with cancer. Cancer is a, a really perfect example of it. You know, please, if you're hearing this part for the first time, understand that there's a very long discussion around this. But I have been saying for a number of years now that cancer is a socially acceptable way to commit suicide. And people-pleasing is a major part of that. It's this, this fear like, of, of not knowing how to get out of something. So it's like your soul goes, oh, I know. And then there's this element of penance that comes with it because you're unreasonable to want something in your life and you're weak because you can't achieve it. And then it's just this cacophony of shit that robs you of your existence and it's just it's not fair at the foundation of it people pleasing is ridiculous unfair and unnecessary yes it might be scary to lose relationship with people who you've been conditioned to believe are important to your future but when you live on a planet with eight billion other people there'll be other people to take that space. The belief systems around the things that are supposed to be important have come from people who have lived in different eras to you and they're not showing up in the way that they promised or that we're expected to believe, but we're expected to come into alignment and just keep carrying on. You don't have to, okay? Okay, that's the end of today's lecture. <laughs> All right, so thanks everybody for joining me. Uh, as I leave, please do find um, UN Women Australia. Have a look at their website and, um, and what they're doing 
in these war-torn countries. It's on-the-ground real work that are saving so many lives. Um, I really, I donated this morning at breakfast and I would encourage you to do the same. Uh, choose the, the program Leave No Woman Behind because it's a, a significant part of it. It says here, women and children are 14 times more likely than men to die during a disaster just because of um, the cultural belief systems and, and inability to get away. Uh, Sharon says, I've given myself shingles twice in the last three years. Shingles is a, is a really classic adult penance illness, Sharon. And uh, I'm sorry that that's been your truth. But given the post that you put in the group the other day, I reckon that'll be the last of it. Okay. So that's something to look forward to. All right, everyone. Have a lovely day. I shall see you tomorrow. Bye for now.